Welcome to Stilettos and Stouts. My name is Christy. I am your host. I am here with my lovely co-host, Ryan. And there was a lot that happened in the past few days for the New Jersey Devils. Lots of action. I actually found myself sitting on my sister's couch, refreshing Twitter for like two hours once it became apparent that it was happening. And I, I had to just kind of have a moment with my sister and brother-in-law and be like, you're just going to have to leave me be for a little bit here. Important things are happening. So Timo Meyer is officially a New Jersey Devil, and he's ah. currently with his teammates. They had an off day today in Las Vegas. Perfect location to do some team bonding. Can't really get better than that. Nope. So there's a few things that with Timo Meyer that I think we need to kind of break down and discuss. We obviously know what we're getting as a player because he's been on Devils fans radars for months at this point, maybe some. Oh yeah. So we, we know what we're getting on the ice. What I will say is that when he did his media availability, one of the San Jose Sharks reporters jumped on to ask him a couple questions. And the first thing out of this reporter's mouth was, I want everyone on this call to know that in addition to the hockey player that you're getting, you're getting a great human being. And Meyer actually refer- referenced the reporter by first name, thanked him for, you know, said it was a pleasure working with him. And for me and my purposes, like, I love that dynamic, that you're getting a good human being on top of a really good hockey player. These Swiss boys are all just fantastic, aren't they? They're all nice. They're all well-spoken. Didn't he make a joke about, like, when Nico speaks Swiss, he doesn't understand him because they're from opposite parts of the country? I don't – I gotta be honest. I don't know that the answer to that. But Yeah, I think I saw that. I think they're from different areas uh, because all four yeah. of the Swiss players that are currently on the Devils, so Siegenthaler, Heischer, Meyer, and uh, Kira, are all from different areas of Switzerland. Yeah, and Switzerland's a country where, depending on where you are, you speak Swiss, which is kind of slanted in a, another dialect area. Like, I know in the northern area, it's German. In the southern area, it's Italian. Um, so it's a it's a kind of quirky country when it comes to stuff like that. Um, I actually knew somebody who lived there for a little while, so it's kind of an odd when it comes to the Swiss, like the Swiss don't understand each other. Kind of similar if you have Italian relatives that are from different parts of Italy, like they can kind of understand each other, but not really. I get the vibe. It's very similar. He, the one thing I will say is after we spoke with him, I, the only thing that popped up in my head was he's just seems calm, cool, collected. That's how I would describe him. Like just from that initial like interaction, just really chill, really calm. And I'm very excited to actually see him in person. I can't wait. I it, We talked about it so long that we kind of got sick of it. Um, but you had to. And he's the perfect fit for this team. Uh, it, it really sets them up in a nice way. You had a big physical piece in addition to a piece that's going to score. Uh, I can't wait to see him put on a devil sweater. Uh, and I'm probably going to just roll the dice and get tickets for Tuesday because I think that's going to be his home debut so so just for the injury update um on when it was yesterday it was Wednesday I believe so Wednesday he was going to get testing done to see if he would be cleared for him to practice and actually have contact with his teammate and uh during that practice and right now he is still considered day-to-day in yeah. my opinion there is no need to rush him back 
from what I understand from other players, when you come to a new team and you're learning a new system, obviously those first couple of days, you're watching practices, you're watching video, you're talking to the coaching staff to figure out what the system is. And then once you're on the ice, I've heard it can go anywhere from 10 to 20 games to kind of really get into the, into the group of things. And the Devils have, I think, 22 games left until the postseason. So I really yeah. don't think there's any need to rush him to get him onto the ice with his teammates. No. I mean, if he's day-to-day, you'd like to see it within the next seven days or so, realistically, uh, just from a, a fan perspective. And I would assume from a organizational perspective, you're going to want to make that happen within the next week. Um you know, it, it's from from the aspect of getting him adjusted. I really do think the fact that one of his national teammates is the captain is really going to help that along because he'll have that added familiarity too. Maybe it's something that they do similarly with the Swiss national team. Nico can be like, "Hey, it's like we do this, but with that," mm-hmm. uh, and that really goes a long way in in getting people familiar with a system, with familiar with how you operate. You know. Tell me what you understand and I'll make what you understand relate to what we do. Uh, and and from that aspect, I think that they're going to be able to get him up to speed quicker than normal. Uh, with the caveat being if they are going to play him with Jack, learning to play with Jack is kind of its own thing. So <laughs> everything's out the window if that's the case. But if, if they're going to end up playing him with Nico, I think your adjustment period is going to be quicker than you think. Well, let's talk about this. Great segue, Ryan. <laughs> what a segue. So this is a very good problem to have is there is a debate on who Meyer is going to play with. Is he going to Mm -hmm. be on Nico's wing or is he going to be on Jack's? And there's the familiarity with Nico, which everyone understands and knows, but there's the dynamic of having him with Jack. And I think what some people are forgetting before Jack kind of exploded this season was Jack was really marketed as a playmaker. And for the past season, maybe two seasons, the big complaint with Devils fans is Jack needs an elite winger to play with. That's all I've heard is Jack needs an elite winger. And I find it kind of funny that now that the Devils have this elite winger, because of the Swiss connection, it's like, well, why would he play with Jack? And I'm like, because that's what's been needed the entire time. Yeah, you're not wrong. Um, You know, in a perfect world, I think it would be ideal to maybe the first handful of games play him with Nico and then move him along to playing with Jack. Because, again, everything being perfect, he's the guy that's going to basically do what Eric Hollow is doing for the first half of the season, but do it with a whole lot more skill. And a whole lot more hockey sense. Um, and that's not a knock on Eric Holler. We've talked about this. I like him as a player. I think he's super useful, especially for where this team is. He's not Timo Meyer. Now, very few people are Timo Meyer. Very few people are Jack Hughes. So from that aspect, putting them together, it could be really, really neat. Um, and you also have the variable of Nico's line is playing really, really well right now. Do you want to upset that just to make your new guy comfortable or do you want to slot him right in on Jack's line and see what they can do Uh, again in a perfect world. I'd love to put him with Nico for a few games and get him used to the system. But -hmm. I think where we are right now, when he's coming in, how we're playing right now, you should just pop him right on Jack's wing. I agree. And I think 
I went, I, I gotta love, I have to love Twitter because I always get comments and it's not a knock to the people who are leaving these comments. It's just something that I find comical because again, it's everything's all about perspective and like a point of view. But yeah. during the, I was going through the devil's media notes ahead of the game against Colorado. And the one thing that stuck out to me was that Timo has 255 shots this season, which I think is third in the NHL. Jack now has 251, which is fourth. And I saw that information and immediately in my mind, I said, if these two are on a line together, which at some point they're going to be, because we know how rough is with his lines, rough Mm -hmm. maneuvers them all the time. At some point we know that Meyer is probably going to play with Nico and he's probably going to play with Jack. But having Jack and Timo on a line together, knowing that one, both of them aren't afraid to shoot the puck. Both of them are highly skilled. As an opposing goaltender, that is your nightmare. Because it is. That and that was my point. Was that and somebody left me a comment. It was great. They're like, um, they only play with one puck. And I laughed and I said, Yes, I can confirm the game is only played with one puck, but you're missing the point. The options that are gonna be on the ice, like any defensive pair that's gonna go up against, and let's throw Brat into it. Brat. Hughes and Meyer. That's very, very, that's a very strong dynamic. And that's that's, really tough to defend, especially uh, because they all have their own skill. You have Brat's speed. You have Hughes' creativity. You have Meyer, who's going to take the body of the defenseman, who's going to get in front of the netminder. That is an intimidating line to try and keep off the score sheet. That line is a problem. Their only, their only Achilles is that Jack and Jesper are just a little bit undersized, but Timo could make up for a lot of that. Um, you, you, that's that's an issue. And and uh, speaking of the one puck per game rule, yeah, there's one puck. But how many Devils teams have you watched in the last ten years that are afraid to shoot it? Stop. Stop Thank with you. that, please. Thank you. That was my other point. Oh. I said, how many times have Devils fans sat at Prudential Center and screamed, shoot, because it I seems like it. no player wanted to actually shoot the puck. Now you have two guys on that potentially are going to be on a line together. This gets me so hyped up. That want to shoot <laughs> the puck. Explain to me how this is a bad thing. This There's nothing bad in this scenario. I, I want to say something to all the Devils fans that are 30 and under. You need to learn how to be a little better about this. I know it's been a while, but the reason that we're not the Rangers is we don't run around screaming about how great we are or screaming about all these, oh, woe is me because we have too many things. Stop it. Just stop it right now. Please, everybody, calm down. You're about to win for years. If we're, the trivial things that we've been upset about for however many years it's been don't matter anymore. You know why? Because your team is good. You've been set up well. You gave not a ton in the grand scheme of things to get mm-hmm. one of the best power forwards in the league who inevitably is going to be on the team for the next eight years. Let's be honest. And you're set up so well. Just everybody, please calm down. I'm really happy that Twitter was not a thing when I was younger and they were playing the trap and all that stuff, because oh, I could only imagine the meltdowns that would have been going on in the late nineties. It would have been horrendous. And here's the thing too, is that even if Lindy Ruff decides to put Meyer with Jack, which I think was the whole point of getting an elite winger. 
Absolutely. You're going to see, fans are going to see Timo most likely on the first power play unit playing alongside Nico. So they are going to have time together. I just don't, I think just looking at it like analytically, one, you don't break up Tatar, Heischer, and Mercer right now. Oh, that God. That would no. just be dumb. You don't. That's crazy. I, if they were struggling or not not consistent, I would agree with you with to get him further acclimated, start him with Nico to get into the rhythm of things yep. and then move him to Jack. But there's no point in doing that right now. You can't. Like, you can't do Mercer it. Mercer is on a tear. Tatar is playing exceptionally well. In the one article that I wrote, I was saying I referred to the team as a puzzle. And I had such a hard time because you know what the obvious pieces of the puzzle are for New Jersey. That's very clear. Mm-hmm. But when it comes to the glue guys, I had a really hard time figuring out who the glue guys are on the team because I think there's so many. And I actually posed the question on Instagram. And I think I got like 10 responses with 10 different players. And I said, that shows something about this team. Yeah. They they seem like a team who likes each other and are all there's not a guy keeping it together. It's a team of guys keeping it together. Um, that's that's why as we're we're talking here, what are we less than 24 hours from the NHL trade deadline? You know, I, I don't I don't know how much they should really be tinkering with right now. I mean, just seeing Timo shoot and score in a non-contact jersey and all of them give him the stick taps and he's smiling. And, you know, I, I don't know. I, I think I, I think a player with some grit, uh, you saw Max Domi. Uh, a couple hours ago, go to Dallas. So that option is gone. We almost got to see my favorite thing in sports, which is a guy walk across to the other locker room and play his team. I love that. <laughs> uh, it's my favorite thing. I've seen it happen in baseball a bunch. I've seen it happen in hockey a few times where the guy gets traded and he literally walks across to the other locker room and puts his gear on and suits up and plays. There was some cap complication, I believe it was, and they had to rework uh, some things but uh, yeah, we almost got to see that. But it's it's all leading us down the line to everybody's favorite villain, who may or may not be named Tom Wilson. I, I think I, that's the guy. It's so funny. I had somebody DM me, and they said Tom Wilson needs to be in a double jersey. And I said, one, I I don't think the Capitals are getting rid of him, and two, if they do, that's not a player you get rid of in, within the division. That's just facts. Yeah, I mean, I I've. <sighs> I think you can make that work. And I think if you're the devils, you should be trying to, because that's the one guy I swear to you right now, all of the BS pushing these kids around stops tomorrow, stops tomorrow before he even puts a Jersey on. He will get that kind of physical respect. You want to do some damage in the playoffs this year. You want to take out Carolina and win the division and not have to play the Rangers in the first round who let's be totally real after Patrick Kane that team offensively uh, they've got their problems but offense is not going to be one of them no. um, I think that's the kind of guy you need and there's you've, you've kind of sat around too long and you need somebody who's going to keep other teams honest in the postseason when it's going to get physical and Tom Wilson does it by himself so I think too when Fitzgerald had his media availability he was talking about you know meeting with his team and finding out if there were any areas in depth that they need to address. And I think if the BMW line was still struggling, like they were a few weeks ago, 
I think there would have been maybe more. I don't, and again, I don't know. They could still make a move before three o'clock on Friday, but I think the BMW line was really struggling still. I think it would be more incentive to be looking at the team saying, okay, we need somebody else. You kind of see that line getting back on track a little bit. Yeah. And when you see them at their best, like they were in November, you know, you know, I see fans tell me all the time, they're one of the best fourth lines in the NHL. It's the inconsistency of that line that is more of a concern. Now I'll ask you this. Do you think that a third line of Palat, Paula and Boquist can get it done? And additionally, when Meyer's ready to go, who do you take out of the lineup? Do you take out a Boquist? Do you take out Sharon Govich? Because when I look at it, Sharon Govich kind of seems like the odd man out to me right now. At this very moment, he seems to be the odd one out to me. Yeah. Um, that's that's where you start to get into tough conversation territory. And you look at a guy like Sharon Govich and think to yourself, sure, he's a useful player to me now in the regular season. Long term, where does he fit with this team? Uh, I, I think I said a couple of times on Twitter, you know, I would have liked to see them try to avoid Zetterlin in that deal. You know, I, I think that the line of um, Palat, Hala and Zetterland, that's a playoff third line to me. That I, I and, and, and dealing Zetterland is why I've really come around to the, you need a big beefy guy on this team to really fill that third line out. And, and Sharon Govich kind of strikes me as the, the guy that doesn't really fit now. He had all the chances in the world to fit. I don't know if it's new baby, if it's just you got passed on the depth chart. I, I don't know what it is, um, but that's I, I think he's the guy that ends up not really fitting somehow. And I talked to you, and I think too. I, I looked at both Boquist and Sharon Govich because if that fourth line continues to trend the way they're trending, it doesn't make sense to sit Bastion or McLeod or Wood. Like just let them get back to their highest level of compete as a trio, because Mm -hmm. really that's where your physical play comes from. When I look at Boquist and Sharon Govich, I feel like Boquist has been doing everything right. Exactly. It's not that Sharon Govich is doing anything wrong. It's just, I feel like Boquist has really deserved to have the spot. They both play on the penalty kill. You know, we all know that Sharon Govich has the ability for those shorthanded goals. That's why yes. he's out on the penalty kill. But for me, I just, I wouldn't pull Boquist out of the lineup right now. Yeah, again, you know, he, so Sharon Govich has always struck me as not quite a top six player, mm-hmm. but the, a skill set that needs to play top six, if that makes sense. Like for him that to be at his, sense. for him to be at his best, he needs to be playing in that, um, you know, more of a scoring focus kind of a role. While he can play the role of penalty killer and chip in when you can, I think honestly, Boquist is better in that role. He, Boquist is going to do everything you ask him to do, exactly how you ask him to do it every single shift. Is it fancy? No. no. Is he going to be flashy? No. Uh, but he's going to do it. He's going to do it well enough. And it's gonna work. It, 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 that's that's the that's the guy. I mean, if you really feel bad saying it, but he's the guy. Yeah. So I I'm I'm interested to see because, like I said before, if Ruff knows how to do anything, it's to keep everybody on their toes. So I don't know what he's going to do once that decision needs to be made. 
but it's definitely a storyline to keep track of because I always said you get the best out of Sharon Govich when he plays alongside Jack. That's always what I've said. But I feel like Sharon Govich has had that opportunity this season and it hasn't quite been there. No, it hasn't. And he's he's also not going to make Jack better. All right? That's a one-way street. It, it is, it's not going to it's not going to come back and reciprocate. And if you want to fancy yourself top team in the league, fighting in conference finals consistently every year, that's what you need. Mm -hmm. And I think, too, the Devils were smart in grabbing Meyer and not disrupting the chemistry of the team, which is something that we have talked about. Because I always always go back to the Florida Panthers just did too much last year. Toronto this year. That's my I look at Toronto – and I wonder if Toronto kind of shot themselves in the foot by just going all in on every level except for the goaltending. I I don't I don't get it. I mean, I know there's a lot of pressure in Toronto. Uh, mm-hmm. It's essentially like being a Yankee in New York. Uh, mm-hmm. But like, I don't get it. I don't get it. And the other, you know, Eastern Canadian team, Montreal, has kind of done nothing. Um, and, that, makes, that actually makes more sense to me is for Montreal kind of just like let it ride a little bit that I, I don't have an issue with, but can, so this is probably going to be the most controversial thing I say tonight. Um, everyone said how Patrick Kane in a Rangers Jersey just looks so weird and just, it doesn't look right. That looks, that makes more sense to me. I saw Matias Ekholm in an Oilers jersey. I said, that is the weirdest one for me that I've seen in the past few weeks. And I don't know why, but that one just, it like the first time I saw him in an in, in Oilers uniform, it just threw me for a loop. Yeah, that's, I, I read a, a quote from his wife who's, quote, excited to go to Edmonton because she grew up in northern Sweden and wants her kids to experience, quote, proper winter that's a woman right there that's fantastic so his wife and kyle turris's wife when they were both in nashville had a podcast and they would have on the girlfriends the wives of like people throughout the predators organization from coaching to players and everything else oh cool ekholm's wife said multiple times that she loves nashville but she misses the snow she goes i love snow so when I saw they were going to Edmonton, I think she posted something on her own Instagram and she goes, the ski slopes alone. Like she goes, I cannot wait. And that's so like, just good for them. I, I love when players land somewhere where they're actually excited about it. So good does, she, for that. does she know Edmonton's a prairie town though? It's not Calgary. It's not going to be mountains. It's the middle of nowhere. This is why we can't have nice things. Don't ruin this for that. <laughs> Don't ruin Look. it. Brian. Look, I like I like winter too, but like it's still Edmonton. We can just pretend that it's sure. quick drive. I mean, honestly, it's a closer drive to the mountains from Edmonton to Nashville. Oh yeah, absolutely. No, it's it's a drive. Yeah, it's it's a quick it's a it's a reasonable drive over to Calgary and you can go do some skiing. It's like the BMW line. We're trending in the right direction, and that is all that matters. Do you think that Matias, we're going to go off the Devils for a second because the trade line is just chaotic. And honestly, I can't even keep track. I was in Timo Meyerland for the past, I don't know, three, four days. I can't even keep track anymore of the Devils. Oh, it's 
it's fast and furious. I'm learning things about the NHL collective bargaining agreement that I had no idea were things. Did you know that you can only retain salary on three players that are no longer on your team? Mm-hmm. I learned that this week. I also learned that you can't split a contract more than two ways. So if another team is holding salary on the contract that you currently have, you can't hold salary on the part of the contract that you have and then trade that person to another team. Illegal. I had no idea. We are all getting educated. And I just have to shout out anybody whose responsibility it is to update the trade tracker for their respective platform or website. Kudos to you. You deserve all the sick taps in the world because it's I I, I just my my brain just cannot even function at this point in time to do that. I'd like to thank the NHL GMs who I'm just gonna pretend colluded to not do all of this tomorrow in a matter of like nine hours because everybody would have been stabby. The so hockey Twitter would have broken. They're like it would have broken. Yeah, Elon there's nothing Elon could have done. No, nothing. Nothing. There's not a, there's no amount of code on the back end of anything that would have kept that from not completely burning down. It would they would have had to have a show on NHL Network for two hours to be like, all right, okay, here's what happened. It would be like the, it would be like I hate saying the old days, but it would be kind of like the old days where you just have to sit and watch on the TV and just figure out what's going on. And yeah. this is the I guess the last point that I wanted to make on this episode is. I'm seeing so many people grade the trades and I can understand from a fan's perspective, it's fun to read about them. And I can see from a writer's standpoint that it's fun to write about them. I feel like it is so silly because you never know one. I don't know how you can grade a trade when it's just prospects and picks because you never know what that's going to turn into. And the example I have is when the Devils traded Taylor Hall to Arizona, people were not happy with the return. They were livid with the return for Taylor Hall. And I think the one quote I remember seeing was, it was like the Devils opted for like quantity over quality. And it was just a waste to have a former Hart Trophy winner go for that kind of return. That return turned into Dawson Mercer and Jonas Siegenthaler. Oh yeah. No, In addition it's... to Kevin Ball and other pieces as well. Yeah. Um, there's two ways to look at this, right? You're not wrong. I'm not going to sit here and try and tell you that you're wrong. You can look at it from the standpoint of relativity to what other people have given up the same year for similar pieces. I think that's a fair comparison if, and I'm not saying it's ever, you know, apples to apples, Mm -hmm. but you can look and say, oh, wow. You know, he got X for Y. That's really good. You know, there's, there's things that are obvious like, like that, right? Uh, mm-hmm. Like, I think the Devils gave up a quantity wise a, a good amount for Timo Meyer. Um, but quality wise, that's yet to be determined on what we end up giving them as a compensatory, not a compensatory, a, a conditional pick um, and what they do with the with the picks and the assets. Right. You know, you can make a reasonable assumption that Fabian Zetterlin's an NHL player. Shakir Mukhamadoulin is at least going to get a look. And it, after that, it's kind of what you do with it. Um, but you can always compare to what other people are giving up for other assets. I think that's a fair comparison. But to really look at who wins a trade, quote unquote, that everybody likes to talk about, I do think it's a, it's got to be at least a, a four to five year lead time, honestly, especially when there's prospects and things like that involved. There's really no way to know right away. Now, if the Devils don't sign Timo Meyer, you lose. But 
you know, it, it's still, you have to wait. And I think too, my, I guess my argument back to what you just said, because I think this year we saw that, you know, the return for Patrick Kane, the return for Jacob Chikrin, the return that everyone's going nuts for is what Tampa gave up to get Tanner Janelle from Nashville. Like that was just way too much for like a bottom six guy. My argument is what if that guy is the final piece to your puzzle? Like what if that is the guy that gets you into the Stanley cup final or helps you raise the Stanley cup? Because if Tampa did not grab that one season, Coleman, Goudreau and Gord, they don't have a Stanley cup in my opinion. No, that's, that's a super, super, super fair argument. Um, the, the, Opposite end of that argument is the risk to reward ratio. Mm-hmm. I, I, when you start to get into that amount, your your risk to reward is really kind of getting out of whack. I don't mind overpaying for a guy you think you need. Like I honestly think the Devils overpaid Andre Palat to the tune of at least a million dollars. But that's sometimes what you have to do to get the guy who you think is the right guy, the right mm-hmm. fit. That's way less of a gamble than doing what Tampa did. And again. Tampa could win a cup this year and, you know, everyone will kind of forget about it. But if they don't, they're going to be reminded every June by what they gave up. And that gets tough. So you're, we're looking at it from two different perspectives. I don't really think either one of us are quote unquote wrong. No. Um, because you're right. If that's the piece that gets you the cup, then like, who cares? Mm-hmm. But, you know, I, I get less and less comfortable as a fan, when I see that, I go, oh boy. Like if that was the Devils, I, I'd be, I, I, I wouldn't be super happy about it. Uh, I just can be totally honest with you because it's, it's yeah. a lot. Now Tampa's in a totally different place than we are. You know, they're, they're starting to run the clock out on Stammer and a lot of those guys. So it's a totally different situation. Um, and, and I think they're kind of accepting that this is the last grasp at hardware. Well, I would say that their window is closing. Absolutely. Toronto ha- Toronto, and the Rangers are both in this category of like, we need to win now. Like, this is it. We It's like, we got to go all in, go big or go home. See, it's funny. I didn't think the Rangers were really in that kind of a place roster wise. You know, I, I, I don't know if it's necessarily a, oh my God, Boston is so good at overreaction from that standpoint. I mean, they were able to make the money work Kane's an expiring contract. So, you know, fine. Uh, you know, I, I think the Rangers are a pretty flawed team. I don't know how good they're going to be when things get hard and, and the ice closes down a little bit. Um, I, I don't know about that. Boston's for real. Boston's a problem, an absolute problem for whoever plays them. And I think if we can add a physical piece, we are absolutely an issue. I think, yeah, Boston, yeah, Boston's just insane. The depth Oof. they have is insane. Their goaltending is just insane. Oh. That's, when, oh. I look, when I look at the Rangers, again, like you said, you can't argue that offensively they're not strong. They're, like, they're, oh, very. their top six is just dumb at this point in time. But we all know as fans, media, players, everyone knows that it's defense and goaltending that win you championships. And that's where my big question mark is for the Rangers. And really last year, I said this on a different podcast as the playoffs were were happening last year. I didn't think the Rangers had any business getting as far as they did, but Shesterkin was just out of his mind. 
and really yeah. stole them games. And I look at the Rangers this year and I'm like, I wonder if the, the script is going to flip a little bit that offensively they could put up five, six, seven goals. But if Shesterkin's not at his best and the defense is questionable, how many goals are they going to let up? Yeah, it's not even just questionable defense. They're forward group. They, you know, Tarasenko's never been known as a back checker. Patrick Kane plays less defense than nothing. Mm-hmm. It's negative. It's literally a negative metric. So, you know, for all the firepower they're going to have, okay, all right. You know, when you're getting forechecked like a swarm of bees by the devils, let's see how that goes for you. Because yeah. it's going to get very difficult very quick. It's gonna. I was actually going through my planner today because, like I said, the past four days since Myers got acquired, life has just been so chaotic. But I well, did yeah. at the end of the month, the Devils and Rangers are playing at Prudential Center. And I'm like, that's the game that everyone needs to mark on their calendar, especially if the Devils are going to stay in that second spot and have that first round matchup, which I got to be honest, I don't, I don't want it. I don't want I it. hate there's, that. There are certain matchups for me that – just for me, they're not first round matchups. Like the battle of Edmonton to me should never be first round. The you mean battle, the battle of Alberta? Uh, yeah, battle of Edmonton. Yeah. Hello. Yes, the battle. Of- <laughs> I didn't even have my white claw yet, so this we're just still. <laughs> um, that should not be a first round battle. There's certain no. things for me that you need to save. Um, the bat, like even the battle of Florida that one year was so good. And it's just, it sucks when you're, when you're watching it just from the entertainment value and you see a really good team get eliminated in the first five, six, seven games. Yeah. It's really tough. I really, really hate the way the NHL playoffs are seated at the moment. I think it's stupid. Uh, I, I just top eight, call it a day, right? I know. One I division's do. better than another. Who cares? Top eight, call it a day. I know there's certain things. It's it's so funny because you don't really pay, like realize the format until it presents itself as a problem. And the only thing I'll say that's not hockey related is I used to love the Mass Singer when it first came on television. That was my show. I sat there with a notebook jotting down clues. <laughs> it was my jam. And then they messed up the format of it, and Good Singers went home early. And I have not watched that show since because the format ruins the entire experience for me. So I can understand from that point fans that are so livid about the playoff war, I, I actually do understand. Yeah, I, I hate it. I think it's terrible. I think it's it's just gimmicky for the sake of gimmick. You were going to have rivalry matchups early because divisions are going to play each other. It, it just top eight. If it happens, it happens. Don't get me wrong. I'd love to see him avoid it. But like, you know, but the way it's the way it's looking, especially now, there's way less excitement. You know, it, 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 now the excitement is if the Devils can leapfrog the Hurricanes, then things start to change. But right now, when you look at it, you know, if it stays status quo, we've been talking about a Rangers Devils playoff series for the last month, it feels like. We have. It's been yeah. it's been a, it's been a long time. And it doesn't seem like nobody's going to beat the Rangers into that third spot. So if things are going to change, it's going to be the Devils getting into the first spot. Yeah, that's that's what's going to change here. All right, guys. We will see you guys next week. Cheers, guys.